Folks, I want to welcome you all to On the Edge with K.A. Owens. I'm K.A. Owens, and uh, we're broadcasting from the top of the Hayburn Building in Louisville, Kentucky. This is Forward Radio, 106.5 FM, and you can find out a little bit more about our station if you go to forwardradio.org. And we're live streaming now, so if you go to that website, you can listen to us anywhere in the country, anywhere in the world. Again, this is On the Edge with K.A. Owens, and I'm K.A. Owens. And before we get to the body of our show, I'd just like to remember uh, Nan J. Goheen. Uh, Nan J. Goheen, age 74, of Prospect, Kentucky, passed away on Wednesday, May 5th, 2021, after a long battle with congestive heart failure. Nan was preceded in death by her husband, George, her mother, Virginia, and her father, Francis. She is survived by her daughter, Robin, son-in-law, Robert, and grandchildren, Ella and Violet. Nan was born on July 11, 1946, in Paducah, Kentucky. She graduated from Paducah Tillman High School. Following high school, she attended Tulane University, where she studied psychology and graduated with honors. Nan continued her studies at the University of Colorado Boulder and New Mexico Highland University, where she obtained her master's in clinical psychology. She loved her chosen career of psychology and dedicated her life to helping others in private practice. In addition, in 1996, Nan obtained a master's in fine arts in creative writing from Vermont College of Fine Arts, and writing became her second passion. Above all, Nan was a loving mother to her only child and devoted grandmother to her two grandchildren. She loved to laugh, dance, and be outside. She was passionate about politics and the environment. She never gave up on herself and those she cared about. And just as a note as well, she was also a member of Kentuckians for the Commonwealth, a well-known uh, uh, environmental group. Uh, she was a alternate to the steering committee and also served on the uh, Economic Justice Committee of KFTC. Speaking of Kentuckians for the Commonwealth, uh, uh, a longtime executive director, Bert Lauderdale uh, of KFTC, uh, retired this year, and uh, we did a, uh, a Zoom sort of recognition on July 31st, and my remarks were uh, referring to Burt Lauderdale. What can you say about a man who dedicated his life to building up an organization that would have an impact on the lives of real people in significant and positive ways? Burt did all of this without being the front man of the organization, without sticking his face in front of a camera every five minutes, without trying to hog the spotlight. He was loyal to the grassroots philosophy that was built into the organization from the beginning. He played a true organizing role of providing ordinary, everyday people with the opportunity to develop themselves so as to be the leaders their communities needed. One of the organizations that I happen to be a member of, the Kentucky Alliance Against Racist and Political Repression, sent out a mailing recently to its members, and I'm going to read that uh, uh, one-page letter that was included in the mailing. We are happy to announce that the former executive director 
of the Kentucky Alliance Against Racist and Political Repression. The legendary Maddie Jones is being recognized by her church, First Congregational Methodist Church, on Sunday, November 14th, 2021, from 3 to 5 p.m. The address is 3810 Garland Avenue, 40211. RSVP to uh, fcmc.official at com. Bio excerpts from WDRB. Maddie Jones moved to Louisville from Memphis, Tennessee as a child and graduated from Central High School in 1951. From there, she went on to attend Indiana University for a brief period, but ended up transferring to the University of Louisville, which had just desegregated its main campus. She then left college to join the Black Workers Coalition to fight for employment equality. For over six decades, Jones helped organize countless demonstrations, public conversations, and boycotts focusing on everything from desegregation to women's and workers' rights and environmental justice. She also marched against segregation in public schools and for open housing in the 1960s. Jones, a founding member of the National Alliance Against Racist and Political Repression, describes herself as just another soldier in the Army for peace, justice, and equality. Maddie worked closely with the late Ann and Carl Braden of the Kentucky Alliance and the late Reverend Lewis Coleman of the Justice Resource Center. Maddie and Reverend Coleman also worked together to see that a high percentage of minority-owned construction companies were involved in the creation of Papa John's Cardinal Stadium and the KFTC Yum Center. To honor Joan's 85th birthday in 2018, two blocks of River Park Drive were designated as Manny Jones Way, which intersects with Lewis Coleman Jr. Drive. Jones and her husband, Turner Harris Jones, had nine children and raised 120 foster children. When she received the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Freedom Award from the city of Louisville in 2020, Jones said, as a Memphis native, receiving this award is especially poignant for her. She was in the city preparing for a demonstration on April 4, 1968, when Dr. King was assassinated. We hope to see you at First Congregational Methodist Church on Sunday, November 14th, 2021, from 3 to 5 p.m. That letter was signed by the co-chairs of the Kentucky Alliance, Tyra Walker, Shamika Parrish-Wright, and Dre Dawson. Also in that mailing was a bulletin from the Kentucky Alliance, and one of the sections of the bulletin, one of the sections of the newsletter was a statement from the Kentucky Alliance regarding Chief Erica Shields' recent remarks promoting school resource officers. The Kentucky Alliance feels that Chief Shields needs to devote all of her time and energy to 
rebuilding the Louisville Metro Police Department. The LMPD is a troubled organization that has failed many tests. We feel that it will take every ounce of Chief Shields' intellectual, emotional, and spiritual energy to rebuild the LMPD. Chief Shields does not have the time or the background to speculate about what Jefferson County Public Schools needs to be doing. We hope that Chief Shields has not been psychologically overwhelmed by the culture of failure that permeates the LMPD, the obstinacy of the Fraternal Order of Police, the problematic character of her workforce, and is therefore seeking to shift attention away from the organization that she is supposed to be managing to an organization that she has no authority over. Her recent statements in support of SROs are not an example of leadership. They are an example of the avoidance of leadership. We would be happy to sit down with Chief Shields and explain to her that we as a community have carefully studied the concept of SROs and rejected it. Again, we want Chief Shields to focus on the job she was hired to do. Focus, Chief Shields, focus. This letter was signed by the co-chairs of the Kentucky Alliance, Tyra Walker, Shamika Parrish-Wright, and Dre Dawson. Also in the fall bulletin of the Kentucky Alliance is an article on local economic development issues. It reads thus, The Kentucky Alliance is observing the progress of the new tax increment financing district for nine neighborhoods of the West End. The Kentucky General Assembly set up this district in the 2021 session. There will be $10 million invested from the Louisville Metro Council, $10 million from the General Assembly if the partnership can raise $10 million. It will also redirect local tax dollars. The West End Opportunity Partnership Board, Interim Chair David James, manages this effort. Usually, a TIF is thought of as a developer tool. Urban League President Sadiqa Reynolds has resigned from the TIF board. She said, according to the Courier-Journal, that remaining members should take the time to understand the potential consequences of this initiative. We at the Kentucky Alliance hope that any economic revitalization program is soundly designed to benefit the people who live in the community now and not only people who may live there in the future. So that was an article from the Kentucky Alliance Fall Bulletin, dated November. Also in the Fall Bulletin is an article written by me under the heading National Issues by K.A. Owens. And it reads, The federal court seems to be handing out light sentences or probation to the insurrectionist who invaded the U.S. Capitol building on January 6, 2021. Why? 
we have so many people in the United States who are locked up for long periods of time for relatively minor crimes. Under three strikes types of sentencing, people have been given the equivalent of a life sentence for stealing a slice of pizza. The U.S. Attorney General Merrick Garland is reportedly concerned that long sentences for insurrectionists might make the situation worse. He is wrong. The exact historical comparison is the beer hall push for which Adolf Hitler was sentenced to five years but only served nine months for leading an attempted insurrection against the German government. If Hitler had served the full five years, he would have missed his historical moment and the world would have passed him by as it did so many revolutionaries in the 1920s and 30s. Could it be that the light sentences are because 99.9% of the January 6th perpetrators are white? United States President Joe Biden is unwilling to admit a significant number of Americans have refused to accept his presidency and are dedicated to an all-or-nothing attack on the current governing system of the United States. Unless Biden gives up his attachment to archaic anti-democratic customs such as the filibuster and manages to get voting rights bills passed, the system he loves so much will quickly, in historical time, disappear. Also in the Kentucky Alliance Fall Bulletin, there is an article on education issues. It reads thus, Those who seek to divide people from working together to make our schools better have recently seized on critical race theory to inflame and confuse. CRT proposes that race and racism have been baked into our political and economic system. There has been local and statewide furor over CRT, which is not taught in Jefferson County Public Schools or any other school in Kentucky. CRT, if taught at all, is usually in law schools. Those who seek to divide seem to be opposed to any accurate version of American history that challenges a uniformly Eurocentric view and includes the history of black, brown, and indigenous peoples. As part of this cooked-up furor, Bills have been proposed, school boards, harassed, and so on. Those who seek to inflame and confuse desperately want to take the United States back to 1953. To get this urgent message out efficiently and effectively, the Coalition for the People's Agenda Education Committee has developing non-political 
culturally relevant activity books to distribute to schools, youth groups, after-school programs, church groups, etc., as a way to complement the conversations that are naturally taking place in our communities. The majority of Americans are with us and have no interest in returning to an era where opportunities were limited for many and a very narrow view of history was taught. Folks, I was just reading from the Kentucky Alliance Against Racist and Political Repression Fall Bulletin uh, that just so happened to be uh, co-edited by uh, K.A. Owens and Gay Edelman. Going back to the topic of tax increment financing for the West End of Louisville, there was an article in the Courier Journal written by Ben Tobin and Lucas Allback titled, Urban League Leaders Explain West End TIF Board Issues. In the article, it reads, Louisville Urban League President Sadiqa Reynolds said Thursday that the controversial West End Opportunity Partnership, a new tax increment financing board that she and another LUL member recently quit, could be dangerous if there isn't more transparency and outreach. Carefully choosing her words Thursday at a press conference at the Louisville Urban League, Reynolds said the community should really just be paying attention. I think this is important. This could transform our community in amazing ways, and it could do a lot of damage, she said. And mostly what we've seen is not good transformation. My sense is that there are some things being rushed that we really need to take time for. For one thing, you have to hear the community's voice. Reynolds and Christina Shadel, the Urban League's Director of Investment, resigned from the board over the weekend. And this article was written Saturday, October 23rd, 2021. They had been appointed by Kentucky Governor Andy Bashir four months ago. In a statement Monday following her resignation, Reynolds called on those who remained on the board to take the time to understand the potential unintended consequences of the TIF district, which was established to take local tax funds and invest them in the city's West End. She reinforced that message Thursday alongside Shadle. History, Reynolds said, is not on the TIF board side. We can all see that there could be a benefit, but I'm also fully aware that there's really not a model in the country where you see this kind of revitalization and investment and you don't see displacement of black and brown and poor people, she said. And with rents going up the way that they are, homelessness is going up the way that it is. That just has to be a priority for all of us 
as we look at something like this. Louisville Metro Council President David James, who was also the interim board chair, told the Courier-Journal over the weekend that Reynolds' departure was due to a conflict with her position on the board of directors for the Federal Reserve Bank of St. Louis, Louisville branch. Speaking Thursday, Reynolds said she would not have been able to vote on issues that had to do with the use of federal funds. After her resignation over the weekend, Reynolds said the Urban League recommends Bashir appoint Celine Mutaye Maria, a Metropolitan Housing Coalition member, take a place on the board to represent it. Speaking Thursday afternoon, Reynolds echoed her support for Mutayemaraya to join the board and express optimism for the TIF district, saying it has the potential to leave a lasting and positive impact on the West End. If steps are taken to include the community. This could be great, but it will require significant effort, she said. It has to be done in a way that respects and protects the people. Shadle, meanwhile, expressed concerns over the pace at which the board had addressed its agenda. Shadel also harbors concerns that the TIF will not go far enough in helping the West End. When you think about tools in an economic development toolbox, TIF legislation has been used across the board and it has been used in Louisville, Shadel said. It has not been used in the West End. There's never been an appetite, quite honestly, to use a tool like this in the West End. Taking an old tool and using it in a new area is not innovation in and of itself. The pair had not been a part of the board's formation at its inception, Reynolds said. But Reynolds said she was approached by state senators Julie Rocky Adams, a Republican, and Morgan McGarvey, a Democrat, about joining after the TIF legislation had been drafted. Steps must be taken to ensure community members are not priced out of the neighborhood and that the people who benefit most are those who have made their livelihoods in the region, she said. Reynolds also said that she hopes to see legislation as quickly as possible from the Kentucky General Assembly to protect renters in West End neighborhoods 
from property value increases as a result of the TIF, among other things. I think we are going to have to push people to be responsive to community needs and again, always, always be thinking about the unintended consequences, she said. Now, that was an article in the Carrier Journal uh, dated Saturday, October 23rd, written by Ben Tobin and Lucas Allback. Urban League leaders explain West End TIF board issues. Louisville Urban League President Sadiqa Reynolds was also quoted in another interesting article uh, by Lucas Allback uh, in the Courier Journal. Uh, this was Thursday, August 26, 2021. Uh, Sadiqa Reynolds said in this article there isn't much of a difference between entrepreneurship and East Louisville and the city's West End. You'll find creativity and innovation on both sides of town. The difference, she said, is access to funding. And a $1 million investment from Charter Communications and the Hope Credit Union announced Wednesday, Reynolds said, is the beginning of very special, very special for businesses in Western Louisville. What we need in this community is access to capital, she told the crowd at a press conference revealing the investment. We don't have a lack of dreams. There is no lack of innovation. There's no lack of creativity. There's a lack of access to capital. So I'm excited to announce today that the Louisville Urban League will be partnering with Hope to Ensure that our businesses in this community have access to these resources. The $1 million is part of a $3 million investment from Charter towards small businesses and undeserved communities, with additional money going to groups in Tennessee and Alabama. Charter, the communications company that operates the Spectrum brand, is giving the money to Hope, a community development financial institution that will provide low-interest loans to businesses in the West End. Hope CEO Bill Bynum said his organization will work with other groups in Louisville to determine how to split the money and that a landing page for interested businesses would soon be available. Those businesses can learn more and get in contact with Hope at hopecu.org, he added. Several Local leaders spoke at Wednesday's event. Now, remember, this uh, article was written Thursday, August 26th, including Simmons College President Dr. Kevin Cosby, who said the money should help many in the region's African-American population rise above the despair, nihilism, and hopelessness that has plagued the West End for generations and State Senator Gerald Neal, a West Louisville native, who called the development very encouraging. The press conference took place at the Norton Healthcare Sports and Learning Center 
a massive track and field facility that opened earlier this year on a long, vacant block in the West End at 3029 Muhammad Ali Boulevard. Several speakers touted the facility as an example of what could be possible with more investment in the region. Governor Andy Bashir spoke as well, calling the investment a key step toward undoing the damage that so many years of segregation and systemic racism did to the West End. Governor Bashir said, I think this is one step of many that we need to see from our private sector and from our public sector to make sure that we're able to finally do the right thing, to do it sustainably, to do it continually, to make sure that we can start making up for hundreds of years of getting it wrong. You've been listening to On the Edge with K.A. Owens, and we will be back next week on Forward Radio 106.5 FM.